H2P Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and we are here. Football is back, baby! Pitt is back, baby! The Panthers, in a home opener, put up a 50-burger, 51-7, to be exact, in its win over UMass. Now, this was about the, that's about the score that you were supposed to that you were supposed to see there. I predicted in my uh, my kickoff pre-game sort of article that I did for DK Pittsburgh Sports. I predicted 48 to 6. So I was a point off for UMass and I was a touchdown off or no, a field goal off for Pitt. So I was pretty close. But this was essentially the end result that you wanted to get. But I know you Pitt fans out there, you don't want to let yourself believe because too many times Pitt has crushed your hopes. Too many times you're like, this is it. They got it all. And then all of a sudden, uh. and there were some uh, moments in this game, especially early on. Now, if you read my, uh, my, my story on the game, Panthers defense dominates UMass offense catches up late. It's up on the DK Pittsburgh sports.com website. And this one's free. So if you're not a subscriber to DK Pittsburgh sports, first of all, what are you doing with your life? You're subscribed to the DK Podcast Network on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere podcasts are hosted. But you're not subscribed to DKPittsburghSports.com? Come on. You're missing out on all the great content that we put up there all the time. But our pit content, we make sure that we want to get that out there for all, for all the students and everyone to read. But if you read it, you know, it talks about the defense. And the defense was dominant. UMass only had 11 first downs in the entire game. 42 yards rushing. A lot of that came in like the last quarter when Pitt kind of called off the dogs and sent in a bunch of backups. Their quarterback, UMass's quarterback, went 14 of 31 for like 100 and some yards. Not a whole lot. The defense dominated. They did everything they were supposed to do. And the only touchdown UMass scored was when, uh, in the uh, in the fourth quarter when they had a bad snap that went over. Um, the quarterbacks, the backup quarterback's head, and him and Rodney Hammond had a hard time bringing it in. It looked a lot like uh, Ben Roethlisberger and James Conner in that Browns playoff game. Not that that's related, but it, it just—it it was funny. There were about three different people in the press box that were like, "That reminds me of," and I'm like, "Yeah, it does. It does." But let's get into why some of y'all don't want to let yourself feel good about this win. Because I know you out there. I know you're sitting there thinking, like, man. I'm not letting myself believe in this team. I'm not letting myself feel good about anything. And I and I I'm not mad at you. But let, let's go let's pick at this because what you're doing right now is you're creating this cloud of a feeling that you're just going to not have any specific points to. Because there's certain points that I'm going to put pick at right here at what you can be worried about, what you can be frustrated about, but what you can be confident about. Now, one thing to be confident about is Kenny Pickett is the man. Now, I'm not saying Kenny Pickett's going to be the first overall pick or even a first-round pick or even a second-round pick in the NFL draft this year. But I am saying this man is a warrior. This man comes out and battles, and he gives you the best chance to win every single game. 
And yeah, his deep ball isn't the best in the world, and he has he has his problems. But that dude goes out there and balls. And I swear, Mark Whipple's offense is Kenny. Go do it. Because there's times where you know things was kind of like you know early on, and this was the frustration part. This was the worry part. Pitt starts moving the ball early. They're trying to do a no huddle offense. Whoop! Illegal procedure. A guy lined up over Lucas Crawl, making him ineligible. Killed the whole drive. Next possession, A.J. Davis fumble. And you're sitting like, oh, here we go again. Another season of this. But Kenny Pickett brought up a very good point after the game when we talked to him about this. Because I was asking him, like, what was the vibe at halftime? Because you're only up 23 to nothing, and it's not like you're playing Tennessee. It's not even like you're playing Western Michigan like they will later. You're playing, you're playing UMass. They're an independent school that used to be D1 AA or FCS or whatever they call that less lower division in college football. They used to be that. They were owned four last year. They didn't even play a whole season. They have a crap ton of transfers. They should, they, this should be a blowout. But they definitely left, in my book, three touchdowns on the board in that first half. But Kenny brought up a very good point. When we were talking about how things were going and the frustrations. Pitt did ultimately rebound. And again, they put up 51 points on the board. And none of those points, to be fair, were the defense scooping, you know, blocking a punt or a pick six. They were all legitimate offensive drives. Well, the, the one Eric Hallett did get a did force and recover a fumble that gave him a short field, but they capitalized on it. And they were eight of ten in the red zone, which I think is very good. Now I think it's very good. That is very good. But Kenny Pickett's point was we're blowing these teams out now. That's something we used to never do, and he's right. Think about it. In 2019 and 18 and 17 and 16, all the past years when they've struggled against Ohio or Bowling Green or whoever else, they do, all, all those teams that you you remember those frustrating games, games they should have put away early and they, they and the team ended up coming back late and it was either tight or they even lost the game. That's not the case anymore. At least the last two years, this is back-to-back years where Pitts opened up a season, had a season opener where they put up 50 points. And if they were able to hold off UMass in, the, in that fourth quarter, because really that was just, it was just a garbage time touchdown, they were putting all their backups in, they would have won for two straight years by over 50 points. That's what you're supposed to do to the Austin Peas, to the UMasses of the world. And yes, it wasn't clean. There were mistakes. I'll tell you what, the offensive line, I think it was figuring itself out early on because there were times I felt like they weren't getting it done. There was a fourth and one that they should have been able to convert, though Narduzzi pinned that on freshman Rodney, uh, Rodney Hammond Jr., the running back, not hitting the hole hard enough, being a little too hesitant. Maybe, maybe not. That's debatable. But I did see the offensive line start to figure it, itself out as the game went on. And you saw in that second half when four different running backs scored touchdowns. Izzy. Daniel Carter, Vincent Davis. So actually, excuse me, actually three different running backs scored touchdowns in the second half, not four. A.J. Davis scored in the first half. But you saw them start to figure that out. And I saw Owen Drexel, the center, pulling, blocking in space. There was even a really good play where he pulled and he blocked and sealed the outside. That's the kind of stuff that I'm like, ooh, okay, I understand why they're excited about this guy. 
And I kind of understood last year because he did a really good job replacing Jimmy Morrissey. But that was some extra level stuff right there. And they got help blocking from other players, something that Matt Pat Narduzzi said on the first day of training camp. He wants receivers blocking. He wants tight ends blocking. He wants everybody blocking. And guess what? Lucas Kroll, his touchdown, he had receivers blocking for him. Jordan Addison, Jalen Barden was digging in that dude's rear end. He was he was blocking that dude. And Jordan Addison said, you know, we always say uh, in the wide receiver room that uh, – the you know that when you block for when you block for your teammates it's because you love them and he's like hey that's how I know that guy loves me and yeah the running game needed to be more consistent throughout and they cannot afford to stumble out the gates against the Tennessee because they're going into Knoxville SEC territory and if you stumble against them and not the Tennessee is a powerhouse in itself but they're a power five team they will jump on you a lot faster than UMass will UMass couldn't jump on you. But one thing I've learned in my years of watching and studying football is that you got to jump on the opportunities that are there. And Pitt eventually did do that. Now, I got some more questions on the run game. Well, answers on the run game. You got questions, but I got some answers as far as what I saw from the run game because that's the bottom line here. That run game gets going. This offense makes a lot more sense, and they don't got to do nearly as much no huddle, get you, get, get, you know, catch these guys, you know, lacking and, and, and that fast paced Mark Whipple stuff. They, they, they need to get to be able to run the doggone ball. We'll talk about what I did see from the run game and even some of the running backs. Right after this, right here on the H2P Podcast. I'm Chris Carter. Stick right with us at DKPittsburghSports.com. Back to the H2P podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, continuing here on DKPittsburghSports.com. Pitt got its big win on the season opener, and I want to calm some fans down and help you pick at what you're not feeling good about right now. Because it's a 51 to 7 win. You should be celebrating. Most Pitt fans are celebrating, but there's, you know, there's, there's a select few out there that's like, I'm not allowing myself to feel good. No, 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 no. And that's what I understand. Like I said, you had your heart broken. If you're a Pitt fan, that's part of it. But I will say this. I have no idea what the plan is at running back. All training camp, all I heard was Izzy Abaniconda, Vincent Davis. Izzy Abaniconda, Vincent Davis. Vincent Davis, Izzy Abaniconda. And then at the end of training camp, I heard a little bit about A.J. Davis. I'm like, well, he is the vet. He is the oldest guy. He's been around a whole bunch. He's the super senior. Totally understand. But then A.J. Davis comes out and not only starts, but gets like the first two possessions. He dominated the first half with possessions. And then they work in Izzy, and he comes in, and he does he does a pretty good job. But then they pulled him back out, and then they put in freshman Rodney Hammond. And Rodney Hammond had the most carries on the day with 8 for 44. And I don't care what nobody says. I asked Pat Narduzzi this straight up after the game. I was like, hey, what was up with this? Because Vincent Davis didn't touch the field into the second half. 
And he was, and he 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 played it off as far as ah, you know, I, I said there's too many running backs. We gotta get them. It's a hard time getting them all on the field. And I'm like, hey Pat, I know there's something going on there. Maybe Vincent Davis was suspended for the first half, and we don't know about it. It's not. It's not a. Wasn't out there. But the bottom line is, I saw a, some really good stuff out of him. Six carries, 32 yards. That's averaging 5.3 yards per carry, and he really good touchdown. Ran hard, was fast, saw his holes. Izzy Abanaconda, 7 for 30. Less less of an average, 4.3, but still what you want, also a touchdown. A.J. Davis, 2 carries, 21 yards, really was just an 18-yard carry that he had there. Also had a touchdown. Kind of walked in on it. He did have a fumble on a reception. That was uh, not good. I am even less sure about what this running back room is supposed to look like one week into the season than I was what it would look like before training camp started. But maybe that's what Pat wants. Pat loves to play the cards close to the chest. I'm telling you, I I can't tell you what it's like getting off the plane in Miami and seeing, oh, snap, Kenny Pickett didn't travel with the team when I wrote my preview on Kenny Pickett being the guy that was going to lead them against the Hurricanes last year. But, hey, that's, that's that's how coaching works in college football. You don't want your opponents to have any sense of who they're going to play. I get it. That's part of the strategy. And maybe this was part of the strategy with this week. Maybe they don't want anyone to know. They knew that they could take UMass. If Daniel Carter started, if Todd Sibley started, they knew that they could probably take this team without without blinking with, with any of those guys. So this might be the smokescreen to say, hey, you know what? We do like Izzy, or we do like Vince. But we ain't showing you Tennessee, because this next Tennessee game is huge. If they can go into Knoxville and get a win, it will be the momentum that this team, this program needs coming back home for two more games of non-conference play against teams that aren't as, you know, repu- doesn't have the reputation of a Tennessee and it could be the building point to get them to the point where it's like, hey, you could be 4-0 going into ACC play. And those first two ACC opponents, the Hokies, looked better than I thought they would against UNC when they upset those guys. But they could take Georgia Tech, and I think they could still take Virginia Tech. And the dream, the dream right now, Pitt fans, the midseason dream, because I'm not going to sell you the dream at the end of the season, but the midseason dream is for this team to be 6-0 or at least 5-1 when they get ready to take on Clemson and Miami. Because I guarantee you, that happens, those games will be spotlighted. People will turn and say, oh, is Pitt doing something now? But big reasons why you should be confident that that's something that could happen in the future. For one, Kenny Pickett's still the man, 27-37, 272 yards, two touchdowns. But he's got multiple weapons he can count on. Jordan Addison did have his best game. Five catches on eight targets, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Dropped two that I thought he should have brought in. There was a deep ball that if he, he – I know the ground kind of caused the incomplete pass, but when you want to be a first-round wide receiver, as wide receiver coach Brennan Marion has told me that he wants to be, you got to pull down that one. And there was a back shoulder throw that Kenny put on his hands that he let go. Now, they still believed in him. He got the touchdown on the very next play on a wide receiver screen, but they need to see Jordan Addison lock down those plays. But the guy who really came through, Lucas Kroll. Five catches, five targets, 58 yards, and a touchdown. I was blocking his behind off, as was backup tight end Gavin Bartholomew, who also caught three passes, all three of his targets, uh, for twenty for uh, 21 yards. Pitt's got tight ends now. 
And we know they have athletic backs. We just don't know how they're going to use them. Now, well, there were still your, your questions about the passing game. Taser Mack dropped a touchdown. It feels like it's not a pit season if Taser Mack doesn't drop a ball in the end zone. But Jared Wayne looks solid. Six catches on seven targets for 55 yards. Shockey Jack Louis had some really impressive plays. Three catches on four targets for 33. And I'll tell you what, and I, I'm not sure if I told you guys on this podcast, but I was talking about, you know, the you know, guys at pit at pit camp when we got to stay. I like this Jaden Bradley kid. Freshman guy, six foot three, really big, 190. And in camp, he, he moved well. He caught two passes for 45 yards, including a 28-yarder on a deep ball. And I, I know if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me talk about Jalen Barden. He got a 47-yard bomb from Kenny Pickett. And if Kenny Pickett puts it a little bit further, it's a touchdown. But this kid's got wheels. There's stuff to build on here. And one thing I will say that is this, is that this is not a win where I, I, don't, I don't see Pitt saying, oh, yeah, we got this. You know, Kalaja Kansi can, it probably feels good about his performance, but everyone's looking around and saying, man, that was not clean. That was not what we wanted. And if we, and multiple people said it. Kalaja Kansi brought it up. Kenny Pickett brought it up. Lucas Kroll brought it up. Pat Narduzzi brought it up. In all the post games, it was, you know, they were talking about Tennessee. They're already looking forward. They know that this kind of performance against them will not be something that gets them the W. They know they got it to clean up. Whereas I think some of the younger teams, like even last year with Paris Ford, they beat on Austin P and he was wearing sunglasses after the game. And that's not to say that that itself was bad, but, you know, I think that Pitt might have been feeling itself. And they, and they, they even followed that up with strong wins over Syracuse and Louisville to start the season. But you're going down into a hostile environment in an SEC stadium, in a program that takes on much bigger schools than you, and they're not going to be impressed if you come out here and you're stumbling out the gates. They're going to jump all over you. But again, this is a more senior squad. They didn't even have one of their captains, Deslin Alexander. They kind of they pit rested him for the game. Said he had some bumps and bruises. Could have played if it was like necessary, but they figured, hey, it's 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 you know it's it's UMass. So I'm feeling at this point, we still haven't seen all of what Pitt's trying to do with the offense. But even in doing so, they did put away this team. And that, to me, doing it in back-to-back years, that means last year wasn't a fluke when they destroyed Austin P. because, again, they used to struggle with the Austin P's of the world. They didn't struggle with UMass. They did in the early first quarter, but they put that team away. Second possession of the second half, it's 30 to nothing. I think that that means Pat, Pat Narduzzi is getting a little bit closer with this team. But we got to see how they progress. We got to see how practice goes this week. And we got to see if maybe this running back plan was all a smokescreen so Tennessee doesn't get a bead on things. But to me, this is still a start that you can sit with as Pitt fans and be happy about. And I know you're going you're gonna to try to worry about it, but don't. I think your boys are figuring it, figuring it out right now. Take it one step at a time. Enjoy the week with a W. Unlike uh, our uh, our buddies uh, down in Wheeling. They had a rough one. Also, shout out to whoever runs Maryland's Twitter account because they were coming up with the memes and the jokes after that game. 
But I'm Chris Carter here on the H2P Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Again, check out uh, my story after the game on Pitt's dominant defensive performance and Kalijah Kansi and all the great stuff that him and John Patrician were talking about, as well as Pat Narduzzi, and more insight into that offensive performance that does need to get better, but showed some hope for that it could happen in the future. Thanks again for listening to the HTP Podcast. Check us out at DKPittsburghSports.com. we got all the platforms. It's going to be a whole bunch of shows joining the network this week. Check it out on DKPittsburghSports.com. It's a lot of great stuff coming your way. I'm Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. I'll be back in the years very soon.